oh my God, is it real or is it generative AI? Maybe we're not really here. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the green room in a special edition of, well, a special Davos edition of Disrupt TV. And we're going to be here with some amazing guests, but we're going to do some quick introductions. And uh, yeah, guys, tell us why you're here at Davos and more importantly, uh, what you might be talking about. Perry, I'll start with you and I go to Dirk and I'll go to Jim. Hey everyone, thanks so much for having me, Ray and Vala. So we at Stage.org are here at uh, Davos to learn, first of all, and uh, have bilateral conversations with some terrific smart people as we try to build the field of data for social impact. Also, we're here to launch a new report called Accelerate Aspirations, which is all about how we're going to build this emerging field and a call to action for philanthropy, academia, private sector, and the social sector to come together and solve important problems. Thanks for having me. Wow. Hey, thanks a lot, Perry. Okay, we're gonna go to Dirk. Dirk, where are you? Yeah, hi, hi everyone. Thank you for having me as well. Uh, my name is Dirk Lube, co-founder and co-CEO of Upland, which is you know the metaverse, which is based on the on the real world. Uh, we currently live in a few cities in the U.S., but also Rio de Janeiro and Porto. And um, I'm also chairman of the Open Metaverse Alliance, which actually promotes interoperability. And that's uh, one of the reasons I'm here actually in Davos. I was speaking on three panels, right, promoting what is interoperability about, why do we need it? And um, yeah, and then uh, enjoying also the cold weather here. Very, very cool. All right, Jim, quick, what are you here for? Well, um, I work with an organization called Corporate Knights, which releases the Global 100. It's the ranking of the most sustainable large cap companies. And this year it was won by a steel company that is engaged in recycling, which is it knocked off Vestas, the uh, wind company, which was a big surprise. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, it was wild. It was, we had Al Gore speaking at the dinner last night and the Belvedere, 50 people. It was just amazing. And um, cool. but my real work is I focus on disruption. I write books and columns on disruption. And, you know, a, a little thing is Uber is worth more than every taxi cab company in North America added together. So digital transformation is essential today in order to thrive and go forward. Very, very cool. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to turn it to you, L. We're going to do our countdown and we will kick off the show. Welcome to the green room. And this is a quick 30 minute version of Disrupt TV. So. All right. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for joining us on a special edition of Disrupt TV live 
from the World Economic Forum's 2023 conference at Davos, Switzerland. My name is Vala Afshar. I'm the Chief Digital Evangelist at Salesforce and your co-host for the next 30 minutes. This is an abbreviated version. Please follow us on Twitter at Disrupt TV Show. Send Ray, myself, our distinguished panel, your questions using hashtag Disrupt TV, and we'll do our best to answer them in the next 30 minutes. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-host, Ray Wong. He's the CEO and founder of Constellation Research. He's the best-selling author of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And he's a regular television technology and business contributor on Fox Business, Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg. In my opinion, he was a, he's one of the top futurists to follow on Twitter at RWANG0. Welcome, Ray Wong from Davos to Disrupt TV. Hey, thanks a lot. If you're my awesome co-host, Fala Afshar. He's the chief digital evangelist for Salesforce. He's also the author of The Pursuit of Social Business Excellence. And I hear he might be working on a new book. Executives around the world are paying attention to every one of his inspirational and insightful tweets. And when he's not hosting, keynoting, or leading events at Salesforce, you can find him speaking on business TV outlets such as Bloomberg and posting insightful analysis on ZDNet. But this is more important. We're here at the World Economic Forum. We are live here in Davos. And of course, we've got some amazing guests sharing different perspectives of the Davos experience. Who do we have to kick it off today, Bala? Okay, I'm going to introduce all three guests at the same time because this is a, a, an abbreviated version of Disrupt TV. I'll start with Perry Hewitt, Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Data.org. Data.org is a platform for partnerships to build uh, the field of data for social impact. Data.org works with organizations from all over the world to increase the use of data in order to improve the lives of millions of people. We have Jim Harris. He's one of the best followers on Twitter. He's a thought leader, powerful digital transformation keynote speaker and author. Fortune 500 companies call on Jim's expertise on a variety of including a variety of areas, including digital disruption and innovation. And we have Dirk Luth, co-founder and co-CEO of Upland Metaverse. The world, uh, the future uh, world, author, he's a co-founder and chairman, chairperson of Open Metaverse Alliance for Web3. And uh, Dirk has been on numerous panels at, at Davos talking about the importance of interoperability and, and the future of the metaverse. So welcome, Perry, Jim, and Dirk to uh, our special edition, Disrupt TV. Okay. Hey, we're Ray, super excited I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to have you yeah, here. I want to defer to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question. No, we're super excited to have you here. And more importantly, you know, you guys have been sharing different perspectives across what's been going on from sustainability to impact investing to the metaverse. And so I'm going to hit each one of you up really quickly. Um, Dirk, I'm going to touch upon your area, um, really talking about the open standards, the metaverse. You were part of the Wipro panel that we had earlier uh, on Tuesday night, talking about where the metaverse is heading. I want to start with you by asking what's going on there uh, and, and the, what, what changes have you seen as you've been talking to people um, at all these different events? So, um, as we all know, the metaverse itself is a very young industry, right? Just a quick, you know, you know where we're coming from. Like, uh, when we incorporated our company, Upland.me, uh, which was, was in 2018, which stands for Upland.me, you know, the URL for metaverse. 2018, no one was actually mentioning that word, right? No one knew no what it is, but that all has changed in 21. So, fast forward now, we are in 23, and we see actually a lot of traction. And that's what's also for me very surprising here in Davos. There's so many companies building stuff for the metaverse. It can be either on the, let's say, B2B side, it can be on the consumer side, and everything. And I think this is very encouraging because I think this is everyone sees and understands this is really the next generation of the internet where everything becomes more immersive. And we have many more ways to interact with brands, to interact with each other, and uh, to create new things. 
but we can only interact together. And there was one of the, I was on three panels here. One of the main topics is when things are interoperable. That means you as the user, you want to take items you own, you want to take your data, you want to take your identity, also the assets with you from one world to the other. And this is so important uh, that we have that. The other important thing is that you actually own those things also, right? It doesn't help you if you can take them with you if you're not really owning them. And that's what the metaverse is about. Um, when you think about the interoperability that we want to set those standards that we can actually do that as consumers. Dirk, in 2018, yeah. when you launched your company, did you ever imagine in less than five years, a company like Accenture and Paul Doherty would talk about onboarding 150,000 employees in their Accenture metaverse? Did you, did you imagine the adoption would reach this level? This quickly? I, no, I did not. I did not expect that to be honest. So our growth was very, very high, right? So actually, it sees that people are really, really interesting in doing those things. But I think the most important thing is also what we need in the uh, because we have all those different, let's say, I call them meta spaces, which are being built out across the metaverse, because there's only one metaverse, like there's one internet, right? And, but uh, they're all not connected to each other. And I think we need something which is actually the glue where I want to go as a consumer, where I want to go as an employee or someone, right? And I want to go from one world to the other. And that's what is currently missing. That's also, by the way, we're trying to build with Upland. We call Upland the metaverse super app, where people will be able to do that. That's great. No, that's very, very cool. Now, hey, Perry, I actually attended your session with data.org and MasterCard um, talking about using data to improve social impact investment and actually make some changes. We'd love to hear more about what's going on in that area, because this is a you know, culmination of some, a lot of the work that you've been doing over the last, I'd say, I don't know, past two years. So. Thanks so much for having me. So data.org actually launched at Davos three years ago at 2020. We've had a little thing called a pandemic between now and then. But, you know, we have kept moving <laughs> ahead and we were really excited to be here, not only to celebrate three years, but to launch a new report called Accelerate Aspirations, which focuses on where are we with the field of data for social impact? What do we need to get done? And we sort of landed on three big conclusions. We need to create better data strategies. I'll echo Dirk's great point about interoperability. How do we make sure the social sector has access to data that's well-governed, interoperable, accessible to many. Uh, we need to build the talent pipeline. We had a report earlier this year called Workforce Wanted that talked about how we're working to get 1 million purpose-driven data practitioners by 2032. And this was a follow-on sort of call to action for, to do that work with some use cases from the field. And finally, we need to coordinate. We need to create better coordination among funders. I think, Ray, uh, with your eye for efficiency, you would agree that a lot of philanthropic dollars can go places, um, but that to coordinate those efforts, to make sure there aren't duplicative solutions being offered into the market, and to make sure that they're sustainable. And actually, you know, we're seeing a lot of progress there. So that's sort of our call to arms. We're delighted to hear social impact, data for social impact across all the panels I've attended. Um, and I was excited to hear that question asked at the Metaverse session as well. People are asking the important questions. You talked about in 1997, we had web, you know, 1.0, 2.0. And, you know, yeah. what are the do-over opportunities and moments? And one of those are to be smarter about data. And we at data.org yes. hope to be part of that solution. Thanks. That's awesome. That's really great. It's amazing to see, uh, you know, the, the evolution of the web. It's equally amazing to see Ray take a selfie with Sir Tim Berners-Lee in the middle of the snow outside. And he, he, he just says, you know, in his Twitter, he just says, you know, me and Sir Tim Berners-Lee. And I wonder if people know, there's the inventor, there's the inventor of the web. Uh, 
so anyway, I love the I love the Ray selfies. We'll get to that as a as a as a summary question. Uh, Jim, you are a disruption expert, world authority in terms of digital transformation and innovation. Uh, the, the theme of this year's Davos really leaned heavily into sustainability as a, as, as an important theme. Can you talk about your 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 uh, you know takeaways of disruption? coupled with sustainability. What can you talk to us about exciting things that are happening in that space? Well, uh, at our dinner last night, Al Gore gave an absolutely impassioned speech. Um, I was deeply, deeply moved. We're, we're facing this existential crisis. Uh, the, the world literally is going to come to an end unless we have profound change in our use of fossil fuels. And the transformation challenge ahead of us it's huge, but we can do it. But we need to get uh, way more aggressive in terms of the change than we are right now. So that was the concerning thing. Um, and I'm reminded about uh, the great phrase, we're living in the best of times, we're living in the worst of times. The, the climate crisis is the worst of times, but the technology is the best of times. I'm looking to the pandemic, the pandemic in just two and a half years drove 10 years of change for many industries. And, you know, the first 90 days of the pandemic saw 10 years of growth in e-commerce or online shopping. And so we've seen huge transformations that would never have happened uh, with telehealth, for instance. There are now a billion medical visits every single year in the U.S. 50% of all medical visits in the pandemic in China were by smartphone. So we're seeing the, the, the medical system was totally resistant to change, but the pandemic forced this amount of change. And the genie's out of the bottle. We're never going to go back to the way it was. I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to, it, when I had a problem, I'd book an appointment with my doctor. It would take four weeks. When I finally arrived, maybe my symptoms have gone away. But I'd be sitting in a waiting room with people coughing and sneezing and scratching. And it's the scratching people that really bother me the most. But, uh, you know, and I'd be, there for, I'd be there for a whole hour. And then she'd see me for seven minutes. And then she'd send me next door to the lab where I'm with a whole new group of people who are sneezing and coughing and scratching and you know they draw some blood and then I go to the pharmacy where the whole new group and it's a whole half a day process right well with telemedicine you know I get on same day and I get a lab I go to the lab same day and then two days later the the thing uh, like the results I get online and then I get a prescription online so it's a four-week cycle to just literally two days and the genie is never going back in the bottle we've yeah. seen how great this is from a customer perspective absolutely absolutely speaking of coughing and sneezing it felt like it was pretty cold at davos we saw snow i keep seeing ray in the evening walking the streets getting snowed on ray uh besides being cold and dressing appropriately uh at davos what's the mood like what's the i by the way my sense watching remotely, and I've seen about two dozen CEO interviews on various media outlets. And my sense is uh, a, a bit of pragmatic optimism, a, a, a bit more 
uh, optimistic than last year at Davos, but that's just my perception from outside. Can you talk to me about the mood? What's the mood like at Davos? You know, there's just a somberness in terms of the economic outlook, you know, and, and you've heard me say this before. Since May, we've been psyching ourselves into a recession. It's like the longest anticipated recession ever, right, for North America, the Middle East, you know, India and Australia. Everybody else is in recession. We know that, right? But for us here in the U.S., it's like, what the heck is going on? Like, let's psych ourselves into a recession. And so everybody's trying to, you know, fall on the line. You know, we, we're making our job cuts. We're reducing our, you know, our expenditures. And, and so you have that conversation. And then you flip a switch and it's like, oh, there's all this cool stuff, right? Analytics, automation, AI. It's like taking over the world, right? So so it's like, it's like a weird kind of vibe here. And then that's the regular Davos crowd sitting there talking about sustainability. And I'm talking to family offices and they're like, we're pulling out of investments in sustainability. So it's like, it's like really, really weird. It's like Davos is like, like this, the Davos set is trying to find their, you know, their bearings. And, and it's just really confusing at the moment. But that said, right, this is the largest uh, World Economic Forum ever. Um, and outside of the World Economic Forum is this group called Andavos led by Mark Terrell. There's 4,000 people outside around Davos talking about the future and they're super excited. And to me, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like we're getting, oh, we're getting a live view from Dirk here. Yeah. Of, uh, yeah. We're getting the street yeah. here. This is awesome, man on the street. I mean, yeah. Dirk, will you yeah. just interview yeah. someone like randomly on the street and ask them what's going on? No, but, but you get the idea, right? I mean, the streets are packed, you know, everybody's outside. It's amazing. But hey, Dirk, like, what, what are you seeing out there right now? What does it look like? This is the evening crowd. So hopefully you can still hear me. We can. We can, we can still hear you. Can still hear me? Yes. This is a this is a first where our guest is walking around outside. <laughs> a roaming direct uh, disrupt TV guest. <laughs> man on the street. Here we go. I love it. Yeah. I mean, well, for Rajavos, it would be a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can put a woman on the street. Not a problem. <laughs> so. Perry, Perry, what are you, what, Perry, what are you hearing over and over at Davos this year? And and at the same time, what do you wish you could stop hearing? Oh, so definitely I'm hearing uh, a reassuring refrain of ESGs and social impact and how do we get together to solve these problems as the private sector says, hey, in, the, in COVID, we learned that there's a tremendous cost if the bottom falls out for our consumers, our partners, our vendors. So uh, that's something that I'm uh, really hearing and excited about. And what I, I'd like to stop hearing is, you know, quite frankly, I was joking before, but, you know, where are the women? The women are here. They're ready to work. They're ready to get the job done, but they aren't on the stages and in the meetings they need to be. So that's really? something I'd like to stop hearing. I'd like to stop hearing wow. that people are looking for the, the competent, capable women to have these conversations. They're here and not all of them have white badges. I'd like to see that change. So, I think only 20, only 25% of the Davos delegates are women, but on the promenade is the Equality Lounge, which is an amazing place. There are continuous panels of women who are doing incredible things. And uh, we need that. We need them. Uh, they are an absolute essential part of this total mind, mindset change we need to have going forward. 
No, at Help Culture, yeah, they Shelley. hosted a wonderful event with uh, one of the trustees from the Rockefeller Foundation and Didi, um, uh, you know, really just an all-star panel of women. And at the, at the end, they, you know, people were just blown away by the work they're doing in, you know, human trafficking, in economic development. You know, they weren't all, you know, sort of social sector projects, but really world-changing ideas and progress. And at the end, they said, and, you know, and this is a side event. Dirk, I want you to stay warm while you're out there. So my question I, I think... <laughs> I'm back. I'm back now. I think I left the uh, Wi-Fi shortly. Can you hear my me? Yes. My question to you is... What, He's, wait, wait, wait. Stay, stop there, Dirk. Stop there, Dirk. Stop there. Dirk, turn around and point into the lo into the lounge of the Salesforce lounge here so that Vala uh, can take a look to see what's going on. You're, oh, yeah, there you go. Hey, this Listen, we live in a surveillance state, Bala. There you go. You can keep an eye on your people. I'm going to email some of my colleagues I just saw or Slack them. Uh, Dirk, what was, what was the most inspirational thing that you experienced or, or the most uh, uplifting thing uh, that you're going to take back to your team and to your clients? So what I see is, you know, that people kept on building, right? Even, you know, you know I'm the blockchain metaverse space, right? And, and of course, you know, there has been a downturn, but lots of people, you know, they're, they're, they're not stopping, right? And I think, and they, they started, you know, one, two years ago, and I'm very, very optimistic, you know, for the outlook, specifically for that industry, because they will want to be released a lot of exciting products, which I think will also turn around to the whole narrative and people say, oh, wow, this really adds value to whatever I'm doing. Do you know which industry is going to lead the metaverse revolution to a tipping point? Is it retail? Is it, is it uh, auto manufacturing? Uh, we're working with a lot of car companies building their, their, their showroom in the metaverse and, and building their e-commerce and, and the entire purchase life cycle with digital twins of their, again, showroom, their cars, and any other customizations, making it a very personalized journey what what industry is going to really lead the way in the next two three years with respect to metaverse adoption so if you think about consumer i think it's still going to be gaming because when you think about a, yeah. you know when you have a 3d room yeah. right you need to go there you need to be able to do something right and then gaming you can simulate lots of things right i think that's that's what we're going to see but i think this is not bad because because people will then learn how to operate how to do you know walk around in the metaverse how to do things and then all the brands will benefit from it it's going to be just natural for people right instead of being in a in a game now they can go to that showroom which you just mentioned and they can enjoy you know virtual car drive or whatever they are going to do the other thing is what is going to lead besides gaming is the whole social networking communication aspect of the metaverse we see that already now that a lot of you know let's say people are moving away from the social networks and they're moving into the metaverse because they find people they like with you know common interest and that is also going to drive a lot of metaverse adoption which we are going to see one, one of the one of the things that blew me away at ces is the cta uh, cited that there are 164 million self-professed gamers in the U.S., and they game on average 24 hours a week. That that blew me away. Um, I, I don't understand that, but then uh, I was on a plane going to Vegas, and I saw a guy two aisles up in front of me playing a game for five hours on the flight. So uh, the fact that we're gaming mobile means we're using time. And the theme of Davos is a fragmented world. And if you're a gamer, you experience uh, like the metaverse. If you're not a gamer, 
you don't know what the hell is going on. You have no way of relating to it. So we do live in this fragmented world. It depends what uh, social you're on, what channels you're on, what tools you use. And people have totally different experiences. Yeah, no, no, no. we're definitely seeing that. Hey, hey, go, real quick, um, your predictions for the rest of the year. I'm going to go to Jim, Perry, Dirk, and a lightning round, and then we're going to take you guys out and do a summary between Vala and myself. So, Jim, what do you see for 2023? Well, I, I see more uh, digital disruption, and I see we talk a lot about tech, but we actually have to talk about people. The great resignation, 47 million people quit their jobs because the pandemic got us to think what's important to me in my life. And it's not spending two hours a day in rush hour commuting to my job. I want control of my life. I want autonomy. I want flexibility. And healthcare professionals, hard to find. So Providence Health, they studied, and 40% of nurses' job was charting or typing or, you know, thermometer in the mouth. Not where else the thermometer goes, just the mouth. Well, that's all we'll talk about. So, <laughs> but, um, uh, so, so they deconstructed the jobs and gave those jobs, that part of the job, to other people who don't need an RN, a registered nurse certificate. So we're going to see deconstruction of work and reconstructing it in a way that makes sense. So the tech is changing, but the org structures aren't changing as fast as the tech is changing. Wow. Oh, wow. Perry? Perry? So I'm going to pick up and add a note of optimism there. I do think we're going to be in a year of reconstruction to the point of the fractured world. I think we've all kind of had it with the fractured world, and we're starting to see that politically. We're starting to see that socially and people coming back together. So I'm feeling pretty optimistic that what we're going to try to do is from our lens, it's about data for social impact. How do we apply data to these tough problems? But I think in order to do that well, it's not like, hey, that's a social sector problem or government will fix that. I think we're going to see, um, not without bumps, but an unprecedented level of collaboration among philanthropy, academia, government, and private sector, because we're all in this together and we all got to solve these problems together. I love that. Yeah, so I think we, I'm very optimistic person. I think we're going to see a quick upturn that we're all expecting, or many people are expecting at the moment. I'll give you one example. Back in uh, 20, um, in 2000, you know, we were also quite a bad, you know, a bad situation with the whole economy. And unfortunately, 9-11 happened. Everyone said, okay, now we're going to be for five years in a recession. Truth is, right, after that, you know, actually the economy started to, you know, to become better again because the narrative was very positive. And I think we'll also have a positive narrative because exactly of that, what, what you also just said, is where people will start seeing new opportunities when they actually do multiple jobs. So, you know, the days of, you know, having only one job is probably over. So you might have some jobs in, in real life, but then maybe you take one or two jobs in where you, you know, in your virtual life, right? Where you actually start to, to earn some money and which then complements to doing what you do. And that's, I think we start seeing in 23. And because of that, there will be more, more positive and optimism coming towards the end of the year again. 
I love that. Wow. We've got Dirk moving around the promenade. He's uh, passing Cap Gemini, passing India on his way to the Polish house, I can see. Uh, very, very good. Uh, we thank you, Jim Harris. You can follow him at Jim Harris. You can follow Perry Hewitt at Perry Hewitt. And of course, follow Dirk Luth at D-I-R-K-L-U-E-T-H. And of course, catch them there. Thank you so much for being on our special edition here. And Val and I will actually figure out what else we'll try to summarize. So thanks a lot and have a thank good Davos. I'll see you guys somewhere around the promenade, I guess, tonight. Cheers, everyone. Stay warm. Stay warm. Stay warm. Bye. Isn't it amazing to have oh, a, chief marketing, a chief marketing and product officer? The, Perry is exceptional. And I, I think this may be the first time I've interviewed a CMO who's also responsible for product. And yeah. I love uh, Dirk. You know, in the long run, the future is created by the optimists. So, you know, I, I, I tend to be in that camp myself. So I love Dirk. And, uh, and Jim's right. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know who said this. Uh, the future is here, but it's unevenly. Oh, wait, wait, we got a special guest. We got a special guest. Hold on. Oh, 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 what? <laughs> what? Look at this. <laughs> hey. Okay, everyone, we have Gravinder Singh Sani, Vice President and Strategic Advisor to Chief Growth Office at Wipro, joining us. Ooh. Those of you who don't know Wipro, Wipro is a 75-year-old technology services company with over 250,000 employees serving 66 countries around the world. And one of their top executives crashes, not crashes, is warmly invited to, uh, to our special edition of Disruptive P. Welcome, Gurinder. Welcome. Hey, Wallace. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ray. Sorry. It, uh, he is in the Congress Center. He's in the middle of the action. Look at this. Give us a pan. Can you show us what's going on here? Or I'm in a room right now. So I was finally able to figure out a room from where I can take this call. Yeah. So, well, listen, yeah. Whip, Wipro had a very large presence at Davos this year. Now that you've joined us uh, and you've been hosting and spending time with some of the best and brightest executives around the world and luminaries. I keep seeing photos of you and these extraordinary people. Tell us about the Wipro campus, your engagement all week, and what's the biggest aha that you've had, uh, you know, rubbing elbows with the with the best and brightest? Well, the show is still going on, so I think I'll take another day to probably summarize. But what I can tell you is that, uh, and we, of course, partner with Ray for a special session on Metaverse for Good. Yes. Uh, I think our pavilion was a huge success. Uh, we started day zero uh, with a session with Bloomberg featuring our CEO along with the uh, brands like Ikea and Schneider Electric. Um, day two, we partnered with Pure Storage, um, uh, where we focused on ESG. Um, and then, of course, there was a panel on Tuesday, uh, moderated by Ray himself, which focused on Metaverse as a force for good. And what a, what a turnout. You know, we had Upland CEO, we had um, Mike We just Cutler. spoke to Dirk. We just yeah, spoke to Dirk. Mobius. We had um, Honeywell. Uh, our CEO for America, Srini Palya, was, was there, and uh, Sandy Carter. And uh, um, I, when I saw Kathy Hackle in the audience, I was like, wow. You know, I've read your book. I've read your yes. book. <laughs> she was on stage the day after. Yes. Uh, and she launched her new book um, uh, as well. And I think the timing of that was perfect. And then I think uh, Stephanie had a session focusing on ESG as well. Plus, uh, Theory was actually inside Congress Center along with uh, Vimeo CEO um, and um, uh, Adam Grant, um, you know, oh, to speak terrific. about uh, talent. 
So talent. I saw I saw your chairman Rashad Primji sharing a photo that I think you had taken of him, <laughs> saying that he can't believe he's giving an interview at minus one degree <laughs> outdoors. Very cold. It, it suddenly got very cold. So yes, yes. It takes so. a special level of energy to be in a Q and A when you're freezing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, Kravinder, thank you so much for just dropping in. We know you're busy. You're in the middle of some readings that are there. And, uh, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, hosting us here uh, at Davos in, in the Wipro Pavilion. Uh, we've been moving in and out of there. It is the last day for many people here. Some people spend a Friday uh, for that. And I think other people are going to be skiing in the mountains of Davos on Saturday and Sunday. So thank you so much for being here, Kravinder. It's uh, definitely a treat to have you here. So Thanks, Ray and Wala. And Wala, I spent a lot of time at Salesforce as well. I mean, it was amazing to see the amount of presence. You know, there was a lodge, there was a chalet, and then the dome. You know, Salesforce is having the best uh, parties in town. So uh, <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of good insight as well. That's great. You, you could ask for better. Forward, I look forward to your LinkedIn summary of your lessons learned. Yes. I want to I hear about things that you may have changed your mind based on the presentations and data that was shared. You do an amazing job of reflecting on the books that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, and the events that you go to. So anyone who's listening to this, please follow Gavinder. You see his uh, Twitter handle right on the screen. Also follow him on LinkedIn. Uh, yes. You know, he's got over 15,000 followers that love his reflective analysis of the world around us. And I don't know anyone who reads more books than you. So uh, keep, I, us, I keep us educated. Keep us educated. I can humbly acknowledge one thing. All the books that I read, thanks to the guests that come on your show. It really <laughs> helped me in a lot of conversations there. So thank you to both of you. I appreciate you. Thanks thank a you, lot. Thank you, my friend. Thank All you right. so thanks, much. Thanks, <laughs> what a treat you have. You've been surrounded by all these extraordinary people all week. Uh, whether it's inside the perimeter of Davos or thousands of people outside the perimeter, can you, uh, does it deepen your sense of gratitude when you realize that you and I and all the folks that are on the show today, we're a privileged few, privileged in that we get to connect with some of the biggest titans of industry, privileged in that we get invited to these events where our points of view are also welcomed. Talk to what, what's your feeling when you leave a week of just being surrounded? I mean, I saw you with with photographs with the CEOs of Fortune 100 companies, inventors of the World Wide Web, inventors of so many technologies that are part of our lives. Do you just do you just uh, go, get back to the room and just sit on the bed and go, wow? <laughs> You know, there's just amazing people here. And, and I think that when you're here, you you have a spirit, a culture of abundance, right? You realize that anything is possible if you get people together to do that. Um, but as you probably know, I mean, I wrote a blog post. Uh, it's got almost 112,000 views or more at the moment. Um, but you can come up with all the best ideas. But if you don't sell it to people, it just doesn't work. Right. And, and you learn that. Right. And, and I think it's really important. Right. The, the theme here at Davos is really about fragmentation uh, to make and reduce fragmentation. You really have to get the buy in and the public's trust. And, and I think what we're seeing and, you know, the Edelman trust barometer was released. They always do it in Davos. And the thing that's, uh, you know, they basically 
summarize that corporations are the most trusted institutions uh, on the planet at the moment, right? It's not the, you know, governments, it's not their institutions, it's, you know, not politicians, it's not sports stars, it's companies. Uh, and there's also a danger of companies moving too far in certain directions where they alienate their customers or alienate their position. And, and that was in the Edelman Trust Brown. So, so we've got to figure out how to get this public trust back, uh, even though there's a Davos agenda, I mean, how do you bring in, bridge that gap? And, and a lot of people are working on it, right? You've got NGOs here, you've got you know organizations that are focused on this, you've got family offices that are investing in this, right? So there's a lot of work there. And I think the, the, the bridging the gap is what's gonna help with the fragmentation. Uh, will this week impact your uh, your uh, your uh, editorials in terms of the research you're going to do in the next twelve months? Was there was there a topic that surfaced to the top where you and the team at Constellation were paying more attention to as a result of the conversations, or is your uh, research thesis aligned with what you felt was top of mind with the CXOs that were at the, at the event? Yeah, so I think a lot of our research, there's some uber forces that are just surrounding us, right? We can't get around it, right? So globalists versus nationalists, right? We're in the middle of a wave of deglobalization, right? And so that's going to have a lot of implications from supply chains to where your chips or pharmaceuticals come from to, you know, what are people doing to actually, you know, double down on redundancy and resilience as we go to there, right? There's a backdrop of U.S. versus China. There's a very uncomfortable tension as these two global superpowers continue to battle over almost every area. We've got these new developments between BRICS, right? Developing markets versus the G7, right? And you can see those tensions as people are trying to figure out who pays for sustainability ability or who gets to, you know, expand their markets at the cost of another market in a very kind of interesting conversation. And then, you know, there's everything around centralization versus decentralization. Do we provide or protect our individual privacy and rights or do we centralize so that we get more efficiencies? And people are asking those questions. And then, of course, you know, there's this notion of, you know, do experts matter um, when the general public has seen them fail? And how does that work? And, you know, how do we actually get institutions to be strengthened because there's an attack on institutions, right? And then when that hits the research, it's basically, if you think about like, take AI, right? Well, what rules are we going to do with AI? Do we have, you know, ethical policies that are going to be adopted in the same way everywhere around the world? Probably not, right? Does the access to AI or the metaverse create even more digital divides with people who don't access those, right? So we're raising all these types of questions, right? And, and you'll see that in the research, right? As we think about what you know, companies are going to have to do to actually improve in access, right? What companies will actually have to do to get folks trained or feeling up to speed or even to trust an AI system, right? So all those definitely have implications in the research following. Putting aside the political, social, societal elements, just from a purely technological lens, what was the most talked about technology at Davos 2023? Was it artificial intelligence? It's all generative AI. You cannot generative. You cannot. Oh well, that, that's the that's the Chat GPT effect. Uh, as you it's know, all it Chat GPT. Days, it took five days for it to reach a million users. It took Facebook three and a half years. It took Twitter two years. It took Spotify two years. Uh, it took Pinterest one year, and it took J Chat GPT five days. So, and that was in November of 2022. So it's very recent, top of mind. So do you think the open AI innovation was really the thing that uh, brought this whole excitement around generative AI, which is using AI to create new content, in this case, conversational-like uh, engagement with humans and chatbots? 
Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely getting those conversations. Like people started their, like delivering their speeches and reading something. And then people would say, oh, well, that was generative AI. I didn't actually write that. ChatGPT wrote that, right? So like almost every other presentation had some ChatGPT example going on there. I think that was like the, the hot thing. So you're going to leave wondering, okay, where am I going to use generative AI? And, but, but the reality is generative AI is going to disrupt search. Right? Why, why search when you can actually get the final product? Right? I mean, we're going to see that not just on the chat side. Um, you also have companies, you know, that are doing that on the visual sides, on the image side, right? And I think that's going to be recurring. Like, take stability AI, and and there's work on the video side, even though they just got sued for you know getting music, getting images for like putting all that stuff there. So we're going to see generative AI play a huge role. Um, and people are walking around talking about Web three, blockchain. Still, they're talking about the metaverse. Those are big things. And of course, on the on the the policy side, people are talking about impact investing and where they can actually, you know, make more progress on the sustainability side. On your on your metaverse panel, panel you had Mike Sutcliffe, who's the CEO, who's a co-founder of, of of Mobius, a new company that was launched. Actually, it was launched at your annual conference, Constellation Connect Enterprise, in 2022. And Mobius is about human connection. It's a human connections company. It's a platform that empowers like this a new ecosystem of expressions and, and clearer communication, sharper comprehension. Did this transparent computing uh, phenomenon, Mobius, and the technologies around it, were those also uh, a, a topic of interest at Davos? Well, I've been following Mike in and out of meetings, and uh, there's so much interest in terms of what they're able to do, right? Because it's the ability to actually take web 2.5 right the transition from 2d to 3d and actually start there i mean not having to wear glasses or goggles or be you know bogged down by battery life or cords right is, is a huge improvement right i mean i think uh at one of the events in the bahamas actually or i think it was like crypto uh, some kind of crypto event that was going on i mean you, you were seeing people say hey look um if i'm gonna get into the metaverse uh, how would i do it differently Right. Um, and, you know, can I actually find a way that's a little bit more inclusive. And, and this is one of the things that uh, people are seeing. They're seeing training examples, customer experience, use cases. They're all popping up. And I think almost every person I was around when when Mike showed Mike Sutcliffe, the CEO of Mobius, showed the, the technology, they were just excited. Like, oh, my God, like how do how to get started? So, so that was a pretty interesting piece. So my last question to you is, uh, you know, you advise Fortune 100 companies, you advise startups and small business innovation disruptors. Let's focus on the smaller business. And let's say you are in a position of advising the CEO in terms of uh, go to market for 2023 and beyond. Let's say the next two years, 20, 24 months. Based on your observations at Davos, based on your, you know, putting your chief research officer hat on, how would you advise entrepreneur CEOs of smaller companies in order to position themselves for success in the next 24 months? Oh, number one, you know, figure out how to actually get to operational efficiencies. Analytics, automation, and AI are going to take you there. That gets you started. And then you can, once you master that, you can start using that to get to strategic differentiation, figure out new types of business models. I think that's going to be the first piece to keep, you know, SMBs, uh, you know, in place. The second part is you're going to start seeing alliances that are going to form and their marketplaces. And what you want to do with those marketplaces is participate by 
by sharing your data and using those data and insights to create what I said in the book, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, how to build data-driven digital networks. Um, if I were to write another book, which I'm not sure I will do, but if I were to write another book, we'd, we'd be talking about data-driven digital networks as new asset classes because the network effects that are being built in these data-driven digital networks means that you can actually start getting pricing signals, right? You're getting sensing signals as to you know what features are more important or what the public is looking for, right? You can start preventing areas around risk and fraud. And that creation of those networks is where small businesses are gonna have an advantage against larger players in the marketplace. So we're gonna see more of that. And then the valuation of that asset class, of that data and the insights in these networks is gonna be a whole new different animal. And that's actually what gets me excited because we're starting to see them form. Um, I was talking to the Boston Consulting Group X team. They were talking about how they built the marketplace for farmers, right? Just to figure out like, you know, where to plant things or what what to plant or when to do that, you know, and that's going to be a whole new asset class on its own. So this creation of brand new asset classes, I think, is going to happen as SMBs band together and as different types of networks actually come together. I love that operational efficiency and the power of the network and the ecosystem. Ray, closing remarks after spending a week at Davos, Switzerland at World Economic Forum 2023. Good cleats are awesome. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really need a good traction yeah, moving around. I have, keep the ears warm. Keep the ears warm. I have no hats. Uh, I need something, but I'm getting 28 to 32,000 steps. And uh, good food wow. is hard to find in Davos. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. No, but closing remarks, you know, look. Um, the world is in chaos. Uh, we can definitely feel, feel, you feel systems are breaking. Um, you feel like traditional um, institutions are falling apart. I, I think it's up to us to be able to build those new bridges and, and to bring people to, together. And, and I think it happens when companies are authentic, individuals are authentic, uh, when we can actually build trust. Uh, I think we have a tough time building trust given the fact that you actually have to get buy-in, you actually have to have debate, you actually have to have people contribute for trust to occur. And I think we can do a better job of trying to facilitate those conversations. Uh, because if we don't, <laughs> the world really will fall apart, not for climate change or not from wars or not from, it's just the societal structures are gonna fall apart and then everything will fall apart after that, right? And I think it's important for those fabrics of trust uh, to be built uh, and to be maintained and, and that to be more valued first in terms of getting people's trust, earning their trust so that we don't have that fragmentation. Great, great summary. Ray, thank you so much for joining us from Davos, Switzerland at World Economic Forum. You'll be on transit. You'll be traveling tomorrow when we have our regular program, Disrupt TV. We have extraordinary guests tomorrow, including Whitney Johnson, who was our first guest on the first ever Disrupt TV show six and a half years ago. And now nearly a thousand interviews later, Whitney will be joining us along with other incredible guests. Uh, I'm sure you'll have uh, your weekend uh, watching of our of our recorded session. Uh, Liz I will. Miller, I'm going to miss Dr. T okay, I'm going to watch. I'm going to miss Dr. Tina Opal and Beth Livingston. And yes, of course, are. right. Uh, it's and the Guide Star CEO. I forgot. I think it's Jacob. Jacob Harold. So yes, yeah, but yes. Liz will take my place, and uh, definitely she'll be a lot more dynamic than me. So we are in good hands with Liz, and uh, well, have a safe travel back, and I'll speak to you next Friday on Disrupt TV. Thank you everyone for watching the special edition of World Economic Forum at Davos 2023 uh, edition of Disrupt TV. Thanks everyone. Be safe.